Welcome to Pathfinder Academy. Class is now in session. Here are your professors, Caleb and Christian. Good morning, class. You may be seated. Today's lesson is on the Asimir race. This is part of our race overview series where we go over all the possible player races. Here is the debate for the ages, Asimir or Asimar. What is the answer? You decide. But for now, listen to us say it. I'm going to say Asimar. I'm, I'm going to say Asimir. Asimir, Asimar. Yeah. I just, like, there's nothing you can do here. There's, like, nine different ways you can pronounce it, and some of them have the word ass in it, and that makes me giggle. <laughs> and, you know, when you start putting vowels next to each other, I just get confused, really. <laughs> so the Asimar is our first example of another race that's not a part of the core race, and this is part of what is called the featured races. The advanced race guide came out, and they separated the races into certain categories. So all the categories altogether are core, which we already covered. You have the featured, the uncommon, and then some other ones. Now, like, that's by most most prolific to least prolific. So we're getting to some races that are not as numerous as the core. Yeah, when you look at the, like, population spread in cities in Pathfinder, it's typically, like, 70-plus percent human, and then the rest is all distributed between, like, half-elf, half-orcs, elves, dwarves, so on and so forth. Or at least that's for typical um, human settlements. So what are Asimirs? Asimirs are humans with a significant amount of celestial or other good outsider blood in their ancestry. They're angel people. They're angel food <laughs> cake in person. <laughs> so they're the worst kind of cake? Yes, they're airy and they don't have much substance, and it's really just sugar all the way very through. Very low AC, very low AC. <laughs> Asimirs look mostly human except for some minor physical traits that reveal their unusual heritage. Typical Asimir features include hair that shines like metal, jewel-toned eyes lustrous skin color or even glowing golden halos i think that's really awesome i want to make a character that goes around with a halo that's not a subtle difference to humans at all <laughs> christian subtle differences like halos and metal hair all right shut your mouth asimirs are adults at 20 years the human is 15 they're middle aged at 35 old at 53 venerable at 70 and can live up to 70 plus 2d 20 years that means they are exactly the same as humans in every way except when they reach adulthood, which is a little interesting. Just five more years later for the adulthood. Yeah, that's weird. That's the first time I've seen something like that. They're between five feet and four inches to six feet and six inches. Obviously a little bit smaller for the women. And they're between 120 and 190 pounds. Obviously. Come on, Caleb, really. Well, I mean... It's 2016, Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that changed biology much. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that is almost... Want to hear I my secret? Want to hear perf- secret? What? My secret? No, you want to hear my secret? Oh, I thought you knew my secret. Go on. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I knew your secret. Wait, let's put a tack in my secret. What's your secret, Christian? <laughs> it wouldn't be much of a secret if I told you. Now, I guess it? that's accurate. Uh, my secret, even though I've married a wonderful, beautiful woman, 10 out of 10, I'm married again, proved my life, best thing I have in my life. She's smaller than me. I, I, I could very easily see myself marrying, like, a, what's that word? Like, snoo snoo. Just that would crush me. <laughs> I, just, I just want her to hurt me so bad. I would totally take that. But anyway, these that's nothing to do with Asimirs. That only has to do with Caleb's strange fetishes. Uh, <laughs> let's go to their racial traits, what makes them who they are. Rock us off with that ability score racial trait, Christian. This is the first and one of the only instances of a ability score spread that we will see like this. Asimars get a plus two to both wisdom and charisma with no negatives to anything. But Christian, where's their negative to something else? They don't get one. They're but Christian, where's their negative to something else, Christian? I'm scared. Christian, hold me. You should be scared, because this is a min-maxer's dream. <laughs> but Christian, they're insightful, confident, impersonable. Now, and I also need to mention, 
that there is a suite of other options you can use with Asimar. Um, firstly, they do have a negative because anyone can be an Asimar. You don't have to be a human. Any race can be an Asimar. So if you are a small race and you are an Asimar, you tack on a minus two to strength on top of the ability scores I just mentioned. Uh, where does it say this? I never heard of this. Um, you have to... It's in the book somewhere, and there's some passages about it, but anyone can be an Asimar. It's not specifically humans. Oh, okay. Well, we're going to cover the humans, because that's what I got all the stats for. Okay. Uh, <laughs> like, the, the base stats are probably given for humans, but anyone can be an Asimar. Gotcha. Well, here we finally get to some interesting types. It's not just, like, humanoid. No, is that cool? It is. Asimirs are outsiders with a native subtype. So there is a reason why them being outsiders is important. Because they have the native subtype, that kind of cancels out all the weird thing that goes along with being a true outsider. But what you do have to consider with Asimars being outsiders is that spells that call for targeting a person do not apply to them. Spells such as Enlarge Person, Charm Person, those all target humanoid creatures. Asimar are outsiders, and thus are not subject to those spell effects. Right. Asimar are medium creatures. As we've seen before, they have no penalties or bonuses associated with their size. They have a base speed of 30 feet. They begin play speaking both common and celestial. If they have a high intelligence score, they can pick Draconic, Dwarven, Elven, Gnome, Halfling, and Sylvan as bonus languages. I like this because finally we're getting something that's more than just Goblin, Null. I understand the basic ones because they live in this world. They're not actually outsiders, so they can, they can learn Elven, but they don't start off. They start speaking celestial. I like that. They're just born, and they can just... They start speaking in tongues. <laughs> Let's talk about the racial traits. They have celestial resistance, which means they have acid, cold, and electricity resistance 5. That's so good. That's real good. <laughs> to just have built into your character. Asimars have skilled. They get plus 2 racial bonus on both diplomacy and perception checks. I like both them checks. I'm happy to get that plus 2. They get a spell-like ability. They can use daylight once per day as a spell-like ability. And the caster level equals your 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 level which you know you never know when daylight's going to be useful but when you use it it's usually super useful right and smr have dark vision 60 feet so they don't really need the daylight usually but again when you want to use it it's usually really important now let's talk about their alternate racial traits celestial crusader this replaces celestial resistance and skilled uh you get a plus one insight bonus on attack rolls and to AC against evil outsiders, and a plus two bonus on knowledge planes and spellcraft checks to identify evil outsiders or items or effects created by evil outsiders. They may use these skills untrained for this purpose. I think this is not as good as things it's replacing. Those are both really good things to lose, um, but a, a permanent plus one on attack rolls and AC is enough. I don't think that's anything to scoff at. That's pretty good. It's, but I would only pick this if I knew I was going to be fighting a lot of evil outsiders. Mm-hmm like a demon-based campaign or something like that. But definitely sure. losing that stuff hurts. Uh, celestial resistance, because demons, you know, they tend to shoot fire and acid at you, as demons are wont to do. Next, they get Deathless Spirit. This replaces our celestial resistances. Particularly strong-willed Asimirs possess celestial spirits capable of resisting the powers of death. They gain resistance 5 against negative energy damage. They do not lose hit points when they gain a negative level, and they get a plus two racial bonus on saving throws against death effects, energy drain, negative energy, and spells or spell-like abilities of the necromancy school. All right, uh, now that's that's a much better trade-off. Yes, in, I still wouldn't pick it unless I knew I was going up against a, a lot of undead in my campaign, or sort of evil things. I would definitely pick this if we knew it was going to be a higher level campaign, because... 
knocking off five damage from a fireball that deals 10d6, not doing you a lot of good. But making a saving throw against, like, an enervation that gives you four negative levels, right. that's going to be a lot more important. Definitely. Next is Exalted Resistance, and this replaces Celestial Resistance. They really like replacing that awesome ability. Actually, they're all pretty awesome, so I guess everything you replace is going to be bad. You get spell resistance equal to 5 plus your level against spells and spell-like abilities with the evil descriptor, as well as, as well as any spells and spell-like abilities casted by, outside, by evil outsiders. This is interesting. We've talked about before how there's not a lot of opportunities to get spell resistance, so they still don't just give it to you. It's, it's, it's got some limitations, but I like it. Yeah, I could definitely see that being useful. And anything that an evil outsider casts at you, period. You're going to be like, uh, yeah, well, I got a plus, plus, plus. See, I'm, I'm made of divine stuff. <laughs> you can't just do that. <laughs> You're going to have to um, get over the spell resistance, because I'm resisting it. Our next alternate racial trait is the very subtle human-like halo. Yay, the halo. And Asmir, with this racial trait, can create a light centered on her head at will as a spell-like ability. When using her halo, she gains a plus two circumstance bonus on intimidate checks against evil creatures and on saving throws against becoming blinded or dazzled. This replaces dark vision. I thought it was going to be like a halo, not like a just a. They're, they're picturing like you ever seen like in Catholic drawings, the halo isn't a ring above their head; it's just light around their head. That's what this is. I want a ring. All right. I want. <laughs> I, I don't want the one that emulates the actual religion. I want the <laughs> stereotype I associate with Eminem. It's Caleb story time. Everyone's happy. I need to get a theme song for Caleb story time. Listen, <laughs> I played TF2 and I loved that game, and I never cheated once in my life in TF2. I say I love that game. Listen, guys. I'm sorry to say, but, you know, Overwatch has come out. What am I supposed to do? Um, no, it's, you want to really, but, all right, branch off of Caleb Storytime. Caleb Storytime 2. We'll get to that in a second, but let's take it back to Caleb Storytime 1. Let's not do Inception here, all right? Um, I, I love that game, and you get all these cool hats and stuff like that. I spent more money on digital hats than real ones, and you get this cool, awesome Halo if you didn't cheat, except... When I started playing, they gave that hat out like a month ago. So I missed it by one month. One month, son. Can you believe it? This is back when back when Steam games didn't have the anti-cheat protection. That was that long ago. I didn't know a time existed where the anti-cheat protection didn't exist and Steam was around. Story time number two, branching off of story time number one. I have just fallen off of TF2, and you know why it was? It was just too much. There was so much going on. I, I, I'd gotten everything for the pyro. I love the pyro, and I got every single hat, even the ones I didn't like. I got every item. Every, and there was just so much I couldn't keep up with it anymore. I'm like, I'm going to – my wife's going to divorce me. She's going to be like, where all my money go? I'm like, fetch virtual hats. And she's like, goodbye. <laughs> that would happen. And I just couldn't do it anymore. But it's a fun game. I love it a lot. And listen, Maze, the closest thing I get to the, the pyro now, the W hold left mouse button. It's just, it's not as good though, what can I say? But uh, Overwatch now, high noon, all that jazz. Now Mercy has a halo in Overwatch, so. <gasps> she does, so, we can, so this would be Mercy's character. Let's, it's let's a actually... stereotype kind of halo, you know, like the donut ring around your head kind of thing. So let's talk about the thing you guys came here for, which is not Team Fortress 2. This is okay replacing Dark Vision because you're generally going to have light around your head, so it's like. You're probably not going to see as far, but you still aren't going to be, you know, useless Blind. in darkness. Heavenborn replaces Daylight and Skilled. Uh, you get a plus two bonus on Knowledge Planes checks, and if you cast spells with a good or light descriptor, you get a plus one caster level. This is good, as long as you are going to cast spells. Um, I, I think I've looked this up before. There is very few spells with a good or light descriptor that you oh. really care about the caster level for. This is actually pretty subpar when you actually bring oh. it into practice. 
Okay, good to know. Like, usually you're like, plus one cash level, that's so hard to get. Whereas, in reality, this is going to be, like, one of the two level two spells you can cast with the Light Descriptor. Gotcha. Next is Immortal Spark. This is replacing both the Daylight spell-like ability and Skilled. Azamars with this racial trait defy the powers of death. They gain a plus two bonus on knowledge history checks and saving throws against death effects, and can use lesser age resistance once per day as a spell-like ability. What is Lesser Age Resistance? It is a level 3 spell from the Transmutation School. It lasts 24 hours, and you ignore the penalties for being a middle-age character. Which I don't normally ever see anyone actually follow. So if you if you want to be super min-maxi, you can put your uh, character into the middle-age category and tell your DM that you want to do it, and then take away all the penalties. So you just get like a bonus to Wisdom and Charisma and Intelligence. Lame. Yeah, I mean... It's neat. I like the flavor, but as a gameplay perspective, it's just kind of really min-maxy. I've never dealt with the age thing because I felt like people could do things like this and just be like, oh, I got a plus two in my wisdom now. Look at that. I don't know. I just kind of never really dealt with it. Yeah. But we always go over the ages here because rules is written. This could be useful if you do follow that kind of stuff. Let's talk about incorruptible. You get rid of daylight. You can cast corruption resistance against evil once per day as a spell-like ability. If this uses ability on yourself, the duration increases to one hour per level. What is Corruption Resistance? You get some protection for magical effects that inflict damage based on your alignment, such as Holy Smite, Orders Wrath, yada yada yada. There's a bunch of, like, Paladin, Anti-Paladin stuff. So typically with an Asimar, this would be a protection against Smite Good and things like right. that. You take five um, less Unholy points. Nimbus, Unholy Blast, things like that. It starts out five points less damage from these abilities. At 7th level, it becomes 10 points, and at level 15. This is one of those uh, good traits that actually scales with you. Yeah, so this one's definitely not bad. You're trading one spell-like ability for another spell-like ability. Next, we have probably one of the neatest ones, because it just changes Asimar fundamentally. Remember how we said that they were outsiders? Mm -hmm. You don't have to be. This one's called Scion of Humanity. Some Asimar's heavenly ancestry is extremely distant. An Asimar with this racial trait counts as an outsider native and a humanoid human for any effect related to race, including feet prerequisites and spells that affect humanoids. You can pass for human without using the disguise skill. This racial trait replaces celestial language and alters the native subtype. Uh, wait, so does this mean I can take human feats again? Yes. Uh, that's, that's, if you're going to take them, that's worth it for what you can fix with essentially one point in linguistics. Yeah, you, all you're really losing is the celestial language, yeah. and in exchange you're getting the benefits of being both an outsider and a humanoid human. And also, technically, everything that targets both of them, but I think that's much less of a trade-off. Unless someone gets a Bane, Human, Bane, Outsider weapon, and then yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, no. Yeah, that's, all, that's, all, that's all nice. Let's go to the best trait, True Speaker. Guess what, guys? We get it again. Plus two bonus linguistics checks and says motive checks, and you learn two languages each time you gain a rank in linguistics. Oh, yeah. Replace his skill. Take it every time, son. <laughs> but, but perception, Caleb. I know, but uh, speaking double languages, I can perceive a lot more. When that when those guys in the in the city bus talk about me in Spanish and I don't know Spanish, guess what? I can right before I leave turn them all all like awesome like be like, Hey, by the way, I know what you said and say that in Spanish and walk away. <laughs> don't Put on my Caleb. sunglasses. He, you you don't take the bus. Listen, you're right, I'm not a peasant like you <laughs> or anyone else <laughs> listening to this podcast, please. I have my own car which I'm in debt to keep. <laughs> I have my own insurance which I borrowed money from my parents to afford. <laughs> I live in my in-law's basement. Let's talk about 
other things. I just want to let you know, guys, that there is less favored class options for this class, this race and many of the other races going forward. As you even saw, there was less alternate racial traits. There's a lot less info on these races as they're just not as, as um, prolific. They don't have like 50 books coming after them. Right, and they also they don't have what the core races have, which is like take these two alternate racial traits, get a theme, because there's just not enough really to do that. And there's no like archetypes or anything like that for many of them. There might be a couple. Also, for, like, every book that's released, they have to do the core races. There has to be supplements to the core races because of the core races. Mm. Whereas they'll occasionally be like, eh, let's throw in some of the featured races. Right. Every once in a while. Yeah, so let's talk about their racial archetypes. Uh, the Purifier is for the Oracle and the Tranquil Guardian for the Paladin. I'm glad they have a Paladin thing. All right, guys, roll initiative. Does it have a weak spot? <laughs> and how many feet away is it from me? Has anything in Pathfinder had a weak spot yet? And while we're on the subject, can a dragon fit in the room we're fighting in? <laughs> well, it depends. Anyone have Crisco in their equipment list? Yeah, I picked it up. <laughs> Last time we were in town, I grabbed it. Oh, well, yeah, that definitely, absolutely. Well, Kev, I have a question. On my character sheet, it says you gave me half a million gold last episode. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I, I got that, too. I, I wrote that down. <laughs> if we could not be children for, like, three seconds, I would like that. So pretend that you're having fun for once. Look, they entertain themselves pretty darn well. I shoot it in the face. Of course you do. Without any diplomacy, it's right in the face. You shoot it. It's a Medusa, you said? Yeah. Yet another copyright infringing non-original <laughs> character. I, I'd like to roll a sense motive on a DM. The GM, I'm sorry. I don't want to not say copyright. DM, man. We just got to not. Wow. But you want to get us copyright strike? You guys have iTunes here? Obviously, you have Tolkien here, so. <laughs> Tolkien came across and his elves and his dwarves. <laughs> Did you like what you just heard? A couple of guys hanging out, role playing? That was Trailblazers, our actual play podcast. You can find it every Tuesday right here on the Trailblazer Network. Hope to see you there. That's it. Rocks fall. Everyone dies. Everyone rolling your character. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling this is going to take a lot longer than 10 minutes. Now let's get to what I think is the really the coolest part about the Asimir, their feats. So the very first feats we come across are a chain, and we're going to start with Angelic Blood. To take this feat, you need 13 Constitution. You gain a plus 2 bonus on saving throws against effects with the Evil Descriptor, and on Constitution checks to stabilize when you are dying. Furthermore, each time you take Bleed or Blood Drain damage, each undead creature or creature with the evil subtype that is adjacent to you also takes 1 point of damage. That's very flavorful, but altogether by itself, not interested. Yeah, not uh, not great, but it is part of a chain, so let's... Uh, I like let's the idea the that one. you bleed on evil creatures. are like, ah, oh, holy blood, get it away. <laughs> just, it's only one point of damage, so they're not super bothered by it. You're like, hey, take that, and they're like, ah, oh, stop. So <laughs> it's kind of gross. One of the most powerful and the most interesting is angel wings. Feathered wings sprout from your back. You need to have angelic blood, and you need to be 10th level. You gain a pair of gleaming feathered wings that grant a fly speed of 30 feet with average maneuverability if wearing light armor or unencumbered, 20 feet with poor maneuverability if you have medium or uh, heavy load or medium or heavy armor, and fly is a class skill for you. This is awesome. Flight for a character is awesome, and they're not overpowering it. Like you can take it at level 1. you got to wait till level 10. Yeah, um... Angelic Blood, definitely underwhelming, but it is definitely worth the investment to get fly speed on a, say, a fighter. Yeah, oh, that's really cool. I, I can't imagine any sort of ranged character, or even spellcaster, you can get some line of effects that you couldn't have otherwise. And I really, really 
enjoy it. It's pretty cool. And uh, I, I like the idea of, like, if you've ever seen X-Men where, like, Angel's getting his wings and it's all painful and stuff, you could have a cool 10th level cutscene or interaction with him getting his wings. Um, there's a bunch of other feats that branch off angelic blood. They're called angelic flesh. Oh, angelic and flesh. And they all make your skin shine a different kind of metal effect, like they're steel, silver, golden, and brazen. I'm going to put in that generic, like, holy sound, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, <laughs> Yes. Our players will know what it is because it would have just happened. Um, with all of them, you take a minus two penalty on disguise and stealth checks because your skin shines like burnished metal, but then they each give you a different bonus. Brazen gives you fire resistance five and a plus two bonus on saves against fire effects. That's pretty cool, uh, especially because you don't have a, a fire resistance with your normal trait, do you? No, you don't. That's awesome. Uh, the golden version, you get plus two bonus on saves against blindness, dazzling patterns, and effects with a light descriptor. When you cast spells, you spell like abilities that are from the illusion pattern subschool or have the light descriptor. You do so at a plus one caster level. Your skin shines like burnished metal. All of these are such shiny burnished metals. <laughs> Uh, silver is you gain a plus two bonus on saves against paralysis, petrific. It's like a tongue twister. Paralysis, petrification, and poison. And your unarmed strikes are natural weapons count as silver for the purpose of overcoming damage reduction. Nice. And steel plus one natural ammo bonus to AC, and your unarmed strikes, your natural weapons count as cold iron for the purpose of overcoming damage reduction. You can really do a lot with your character here. Like, I, I, it'd be cool, like glowing gold, right? That'd be neat. I don't think any of these are worth two feet slots. Maybe the saves against petrification. I can see, I can and see if you're doing a natural attack build in some way. If you're like a werewolf or something, you could you'll want that. You know, overcome the damage reduction of cold iron or silver or something like that. Most classes that have that built in have a way of overcoming it. If you're doing it from like I guess barbarian natural weapon and you don't want to buy an amulet of mighty. No, because Amulet of Mighty Fist plus one like gets you that automatically. Yeah. It's 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 interesting, flavorful, but not quite worth it. Just barely ekes out away. If it was just one feat, maybe, but this is basically two feats to get this effect, and I don't think it's worth. The final thing in this feat chain is in, is metallic wings. You need angelic blood, angelic flesh, one of them. Obviously, you can't pick all of them. Uh, you can only ever pick one. Angel wings, and you need to be character level 11th. You gain two wing attacks. These are secondary natural attacks. They deal 1d4 points of slashing damage. Or 1d3 if you're small. Not worth it unless you were really having this awesome natural attack build. And then you have to pick improved natural attack for these as well. Otherwise, they're not going to really do you much. Yeah, especially because you get two of them. If you just got one wing attack, you could just like toss it in there. But you could finally be Angel from X-Wing. X-Wing. From X-Men after he gets <laughs> his metallic wings. From Apocalypse. Action. That would actually be pretty good if you were a paladin and managed to get all the way up this chain because your smite evil would apply to the wing attacks. Mm. Um, but if you're a paladin and you wasted four feet, eh, I wouldn't say wasting. A paladin could fly. That'd be really neat. Still very feet intensive. So next we have Celestial Servant. To take this, you need to have an animal companion or a familiar or a mount or something along those lines. Just not a, uh, not a summoner, Edelon. Your animal companion, familiar, or mount gains the celestial template and becomes a magical beast, though you may still treat it as an animal when using handle animal, wild empathy, or spells, or class abilities. The celestial template's really good. Um, this is a very, very good feat. I've seen people use it before. Um, just for reference, celestial template gives the creature dark vision 60 feet. 
The creature gains damage reduction and energy resistance that scales. They get spell resistance equal to their challenge rating plus 5. And they get smite evil once a day as a swift action, using its charisma bonus to attack rolls and getting its hit dice as bonus to damage rolls against evil or undead foes. This is ridiculous. I love it. I've picked it before. For just one feat, you're giving your animal companion five resistance to cold acid electricity, which scales to 10 and then up to 15. And then they're getting five DR against everything that's not evil. And then 10 DR against everything that's not evil. That's absolutely absurd for one feat. When I saw it becomes a magical beast. All right, we got to figure this one out, Christian. Is there a way I can get a little girl? Is there like some sort of possessed doll or something I can make my animal companion or my mount or my familiar? Are you going for some anime nonsense up in here? Shut up. How did you know? I wanted to do the magical girl thing. I'm going to give her some stuff that was uh, glamour so she could transform her clothes. And I can get Sailor Moon up in this business. Please, please don't put anime in my medieval. <laughs> Listen, it's where it belongs. High fantasy setting. It's no, where it, it belongs. Does not. I, it's happened to me before. It doesn't. I'm telling you, it doesn't. Belong. It does belong. Don't you shut your mouth, Christian? You, you te- come back to me when they come out with the. Oh wait, I'm wrong. I am wrong because there's the magical girl archetype for um, investigator. Yes, not investigator, vigilante. Ha ha. Uh, magical girl. All right, guys. Wait till we get to that. Good, good. I'm glad we have a little, a little foreshadowing, like a taste that magical girl is in here. Let's talk about channel force. You need to have a channel energy of 2d6, which is the sort of thing you'll get as a paladin or as a cleric. When you use channel energy to deal damage, you may choose to affect only a single target within 30 feet. In addition to dealing damage, a single target fails its saving throw, if it does. You may pull or push it up to 5 feet for every 2d6 points of channel energy damage you are capable of doing. Hey, guess what? Off that cliff. Hope you have a poor reflex save, son. I am not interested. Uh, It's neat. But uh, typically the channel energy saves aren't that high. Listen, it's a chain. Let's see what the second part of the chain makes it better, makes it worth. We got improved channel force. This requires you to have 4d6 of channel energy, which I think you get at level 8. So this is a level 8 feet. The previous one was a level 4 feet. When using channel force, you can affect all creatures in a 60-foot line or a 30-foot cone-shaped burst. You must either choose to push or pull all creatures within the affected area that fail their saves. Better. I guess. If you could do a whole, like, cone pa- bunch of people, and especially if you were, like, in a, in a sort of encounter where things are just coming at you and you just need to get a little bit of breathing room, or you can push them off of into a well-designed encounter that has maps where there's different hazards, you can push them into hazards. Because it's a bunch, it's better. But if I would take it if only I had to spend one feet, two feet is just too much. Yeah, especially we're talking about Paladin and Cleric, who are feet-starved. They are two of the most feet-starved <laughs> classes in the game. But that's not all. There's another one. There's There's greater channel force. You need 66 channel energy. When using improved channel force, you can affect all creatures in a 30-foot radius burst. This pretty much means you can affect a whole big group of people. Still not worth it. Yeah, just not worth the feats, honestly. I'm sure there's spells at this level that do this effect. But listen, man, I just want to radiate with the heavens. What can I do for that? Um... You can. There's a feat here. It's called Havonli Radiance. <laughs> Maybe that's what you're looking for. You know it's close enough. Let's hear what it's about. You need to not replace the daylight spell-like ability, and you need to be a sufficiently high level. You gain one additional use per day of your daylight spell-like ability. Choose a spell from the table below. By expending a use of daylight, you may use this spell as a spell-like ability. To select a spell, you must meet the minimum character level for its listing on the table. 
and the DC is still charisma based. So depending on your level, you can basically pick different spell-like abilities to replace your use of daylight. At first level, you can pick Flare Burst, which is like a level 1 spell. Please don't pick it. It dazzles people. At level 3, you can pick Wake of Light. I don't remember exactly what that does. I'm going to assume it's underwhelming. If you're at least 5th level, you can pick Searing Light, which is definitely a cool one, because that's, that's, like awesome. uh, that's like a beam of light you shoot at someone, and it does damage. I think it's a ranged touch attack. It's a great so way one's... whenever I make a cleric, I do damage. It's like, you ever seen, like, Fulgore from Killer Instinct? It's like a center beam. It just, like, eradicates things. And you don't have to be a spellcaster. You can be a rogue and get sneak attack damage when you're Searing Light, which would be really badass. If you're level 7, you can pick Wandering Star Motes, which is like these little motes of light fly around, I think, and stun people. And then at ninth level, you can pick Sunbeam, which is another yeah. highly damaging ability. I like this feat. I think it's really cool. I really like how it's not... It's it's unique. It's not... It doesn't scale with you, but when you pick on... When you pick it, you get something different. And it based on what your needs. Like, if you need the... Uh, the utility of wandering star modes you can pick that but if you want to pick up damage you can pick up sunbeam or searing light definitely it's very interesting and i would pick it if especially if you're kind of a one note character and you really need something in case you lose i don't know your bow and all you do is bow stuff you can grab this and it can be your backup or it can be your super big damage when you do fight a boss you can just start that against them oh neato you with sunbeam is actually you can call down mul- multiple beams depending on your level they don't take a lot of damage, but they get blinded if they fail their saves. Definitely a neat feat. It's just very flavorful, though. I recently made an SMR character, and I picked the flight, and uh, I just I just love it. It's uh, great, and of course, I picked that linguistic sun. I was, like, running out of spells. I started just picking monster things. I'm like, Noel, maybe I'll fight a Noel. The Advanced Race Guide also introduced racial gear, gear that can only be used or is used effectively with a certain race. So the Asimir has this gear. First is a Celestial Sensor, which is 50 gold. This blessed thurible, I don't know what that is, holds up to 10 pieces of incense and burns at a rate of one stick per hour. I have this awesome incense burning uh, little statue, and it's a, like a, a Medusa, not Medusa, uh, like, a, like a Hydra. It has a bunch of heads, like a dragon, multiple head dragon, and the incense comes out of their nose and mouth, and it's awesome. But anyway, if a smoke stick is added to the incense in the sensor while it burns, creatures with the evil subtype are dazzled for as long as they remain with the area of the resulting smoke. This is the perfect thing to add to your dungeon if you have somebody... Or for some reason, there's a theme to not get celestial things in there. I like that a lot. Uh, a thurible is, you know, that really, really stereotypical. Um, you see a priest walking around, like dangling from a chain. It's kind of like this gold sure. ball kind of thing with the incense coming out, and they hum and wave it yes. back and forth. That's yeah. thurible. Gotcha. So yeah, I, I like that idea. Put like not necessarily use this to its effect because obviously dazzled isn't going to be making or breaking anyone, but very thematic to have in like an anti-holy kind of place. Sure. Next, they have a Celestial Lamp. This is 300 gold. This polished lantern contains a continual flame and sheds light as a common lamp. For those that don't know, continual flame is like it's a magical fire that doesn't actually use oxygen and doesn't let out heat. It's just always a fire that's on and lets off light. If its font of consecrated crystal and metalwork is filled with holy water, the lamp's light is sanctified for 24 hours adding a plus one bonus to the save DC of channel positive energy or energy channel to harm evil outsiders within a 30-foot radius. That's very useful if you're a cleric or a paladin that channels positive energy. Yeah. There's ambrosia, which is 100 gold per vial. Upon consumption, this heavenly elixir, elixir brewed from holy water. I like elixir better. 
Brewed from holy water and blessed herbs, grants a plus two sacred bonus on saving throws against negative energy, energy drain, and death effects for an hour, including saves to remove negative levels. Ambrosia effects on dead and evil outsiders as holy water. This would be good to go in if you're going in a crypt or something. Oh, definitely, yeah. It's kind of like um, anti-toxin mm-hmm. and anti-poison, but one for of, undead negative energy drain stuff. One of the first uh, kind of dungeons I ever made for my players uh, when I was still a young GM. I was wet behind the ears and Greenhorn uh, was a crypt and one of the bad guys in it was, I forget what it's called in the beast here, but he has an ability to just like teleport everyone around him to random places. And so the idea was he was kind of towards the end of it and he would teleport them away and then all the skeletons would kind of activate. So the players had to kind of try to figure out where they are, try to get back to each other and group up because it, it kind of separates the party. I don't know, it just made me think of that. One of my first nice little nostalgia trip down Nostalgia Ave. One of my I first bet they wish they had Ambrosia. They did. The last piece of mundane gear for Asimar is the anointing oil. This is 25 gold. The sacred oil infused with aromatic spices and distilled holy water may be applied to a creature while casting a harmless divine spell with the range of touch, increasing the casting time to a full round action, but also increasing the caster's effective caster level by plus one for that spell. That's neat. I like that. It's interesting. That That's a nice little throwaway item to give people, uh, for gear, just occasionally cast their cure light wounds for plus one or something like that. Any any race gear is a nice little thing you can throw to one of your players as an individual reward because only they can use it. Now let's go to their magic items. Then they got one, the Halo of Menace. This is an eighty-four thousand gold piece item that takes up the head slot. When placed over the head, I finally get my halo. This halo of shimmering polished steel floats above it. Though it still takes up the head slot, the halo constantly radiates a 20-foot radius aura from its wearer. Any hostile creature within the aura must succeed a DC 20 will save or take a minus 2 penalty on attack roll, saving throws, and AC for the next 24 hours or until it hits the wearer with an attack or damages with a spell, spell-like ability, or supernatural ability. Chaotic creatures must take a minus 2 penalty on the saving throw. A creature that is resisted or broken this effect of the halo of menace cannot be affected by the same wearer's aura for 24 hours. This aura is a mind-affecting effect. I would love this if it wasn't for the fact that I can lose it as soon as they attack me. For 84,000 gold, this better be permanent. Yeah, this uh, this is actually just the Archon ability, Aura of Menace. The Archon angels have this on them constantly, so this is mimicking that. Oh, okay. Um, definitely a neat effect, but for 84,000 gold, its effects do seem a little weak. I wouldn't really rate it that high on the cost scheme of things. Yeah, you might want to make this one and get that half cost. <laughs> I love this race. When it comes to mechanically, I'm not super into its its theme all the time. But when, if I wanted to make a heavenly angelic character and I can't pick an angel, why not pick this? I think it's very interesting. Asimir are definitely really neat. Um, they have a lot of cool stuff they can do. I just think they're a little overpowered, honestly. Like, an, I don't think anyone's race would give them this much power with the exception of maybe human but I don't think human gives you raw power like the Asimir does. Mm-hmm. Well, it does let you know what the RP is. If you don't know at the end of the advanced race guide, it does tell you how how to build your own races, and you get certain points that you can spend. They call them RP. And so it would take 15 RP to make this. And we'll see later as we see what the RP is for more creatures. Um, that 15 RP is, is, a, is a good amount. Yeah, typically they're around 7 or 8 RP for most of the featured or uncommon races, so Asimir is almost double that. Um, but I think flavor-wise, they have a lot going for them, which is, you know, where I put more value than the mechanics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, you can always just, like, listen, as a GM, know if your power gamer picks an Asimar, just take, keep an eye on it, see if that's really something you want to let him do. 
Uh, but I think a lot of the, like, the role player might be something I'm more willing to let them pick an Asimar. And something we didn't really mention because we want to get into the minutia of extra books, but listed like right on the Asimir page, if you're looking at like the Pathfinder um, source reference document, you can basically pick and choose your ability scores by being from different areas of heaven or being a different kind of outsider. It's very, very power gamey, so watch out for that. Right. It's also super flavorful. It's good and bad. All right, so that's the Asimir. It's our first featured race. Next is the Cat Folk, which I think we've learned, if you've listened to Trailblazers <laughs> at all, or pretty much any episode I'm sure I've mentioned, my fetish with Cat Folk. Well, what's that called? Well, okay, well, it's too late. I've called it that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's two secrets of yours we got out of oh, No. I, actually, I, sh- I don't think we should call that a secret. No, I think at this point it is not. Uh, but we're going over the Cat Folk. So I'm, I look forward to that. I hope you look forward to that. We're all looking forward to looking forward to things. And I look forward to hearing from you guys. If you have any comments about anything, we love to hear from you. You can find a bunch of ways to contact us at tblazer.net, as the wonderful guy at the end of our every episode likes to tell you. By the way, shout out to him. I haven't done that in a while. He's an awesome guy. Records stuff for us for free. He's a friend of mine. He he makes games. Go on Steam, buy his games. Uh, right now, I think he only has one game, which is a game called Close Order. It's very cheap, and it's very fun. So you guys can go play that. And we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Class is dismissed. Pathfinder Academy is part of the Trailblazer Network. For other great Pathfinder podcasts, visit our site, tblazer.net. Want to get in touch? You can email us at tblazernetwork at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at tblazernetwork. I've been Nicholas Laborde. Thanks for listening. You want to play some D&D tonight? No, I, I can't. You're not real. None of this is real. Real, 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 real. Mental divergence can be a tricky situation, but we here at Tales from the Lich can be your hand in the infinite darkness. When you can't play, listen. TalesFromTheLich.com <laughs>